Hello everybody and welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders and entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In today's podcast, we are joined by Adam Knight, the founder of Proven Principles. Proven Principles is a consulting and coaching company built on the best practice of the luxury hotel industry. Adam helped customer service focused businesses to drive better performance, productivity and profitability. Adam has a wealth of experience working in the industry and we sat down with him to talk about how successfully to run a hotel operation, the difference between good service and good hospitality and the next big thing in hotel tech. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this great and insightful interview. So get ready to take notes and enjoy. Hello, Adam, and welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. I'm really excited to you have you on board today. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, but especially hospitality, I know. Thank you, Michael. It's really great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Just for the listeners out there, you're in Boston. I'm in uh, Brighton in the UK. So we're joining each other over this amazing things you can do on the internet today. <laughs> we're, you know, we're about as close as we can be but being on different continents. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. We we met over actually LinkedIn, our shared passion for hospitality and especially people-driven hospitality. And then we had a couple of conversations and then we agreed it would be great to share these, you know, stories with people out there that's also passionate about hospitality. It's great to finally connect with you. I know that we've been trying to get this scheduled for a little while now, but uh, yeah, I think over our few conversations and our, our several emails, we definitely have a shared passion for hospitality and serving people. And, and I hope that we can uh, inspire a few people to do that today. Adam, I think for, for other people out there, it would be great that you just tell a bit about your, your background, your story, as I call it, and what actually pulled you into hospitality and, and what is it that you're doing now to inspire and help hospitality leaders? I have been in hospitality operations now for the better part of 25 years. And I actually, I had that realization where I counted up all the years the other day and saying almost 25 years makes me feel fortunate that I've been in the industry for as long as I have, but it's, it's an awful long time too. <laughs> so uh, looking back, it's been quite a great career. I started born and raised in Canada, Western Canada, and I started as a pot washer in the Canadian Rockies at a ski resort all the way back in the 90s. And, and I went there straight out of high school. The one thing, you know, when I was 18 that I knew for sure is I didn't want to go to university. So I, I moved away from home. I got a job at a ski resort. And honestly, I fell in love with the industry pretty quickly. Now, a lot of it had to do with getting a chance to interact with people from different parts of Canada at the time. Uh, I had never met people from the East Coast of Canada, never had a lot of interaction with people from other countries up until that point. And so this position opened my eyes to the possibility of where the industry can take me. I, uh, I finished up the season at the ski resort and I moved back to the city where I grew up, Edmonton, Alberta, and got a job as a bellman, quickly moved into the front desk. And after a few years working at this hotel, realized I should probably formalize my education at this point. So I found a, a hotel management program in Victoria, British Columbia, went to school there for two years. That program was so useful, so strong for me because I actually had three, four years worth of actual industry experience before starting the theoretical sort of schooling side of the education. So I was able to apply retroactively, I suppose, a lot of learnings in school to what I was doing. Wrapped up school, moved back to another city in Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, had a chance to work on the concierge, the private floor 
at a luxury downtown hotel. And then the company came to me with an international posting in Bermuda, and that's where things really took off. So my first international posting was Bermuda. I made my way to the U.S. in 2003 to San Francisco, worked my way through the rooms division in San Francisco, moved up to Seattle, took on a rooms division role, and then flipped over to a food and beverage role, director of food and beverage at a downtown hotel in Seattle, which rounded out my experience to that point. So I, I then had the rooms division, I had some food and beverage experience, and I was able to take on my first uh, number two role at a hotel down in Orange County, California. So did that for a little while, helped open a hotel in Pittsburgh, moved to the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., went back to the Caribbean, to Barbados for a little while, came back out west to California, to Orange County, moved up to San Francisco for a new role, and just about a month and a half ago, moved up to Seattle, where I am today. That's about 25 years in two and a half minutes. The U.S. is a big country, but you've definitely been in different parts of it, that's for sure, and I probably did work with very different operations as well. So, so what is it that you are doing today, Adam? I wrapped up my last role in uh, in San Francisco and decided to start a company that did a couple of things. It helped a lot of these kind of smaller, I would say less, I'll use less sophisticated in air quotes because it certainly isn't for, for a lack of, of how they're delivering service, but it's maybe a less formalized or less professionalized hotel owners and managers that don't have the systems in place, that don't have the ability to create strong cultures in their organization, maybe for a lack of resources, maybe for a lack of knowledge. I saw a need in the industry for someone with a strong background in operations that can come in and help some of these smaller owners and operators. And that's how my company Proven Principles came to be. So Proven Principles started in uh, the summer last year, and we've been working with clients now in hotels, restaurants, and even vacation rental owners to professionalize their operations. So, so, so the next question would be quite obvious to me is, so what do you think is the, the magic bullet, the key principles of running a successful uh, hotel operation? You know, that's a great question. And after the journey I've had in my career, what it's come down to for me is how strong of a culture can you build internally inside your organization? You can have all the tools, you can have all the shiny new objects that you want. But if the people that deliver your product or service on the front line don't want to be there because they don't want to work for you as a manager, then everything is going to fall apart. So if you if you can't nail the internal culture piece down, you won't be successful. How do you bring that alive? Do you have like a process or a model you use or how, how is that all done? It starts with many conversations over the course of, uh, it could be a few days, it could be a few weeks where I get to know the department manager, or maybe it's a general manager or an owner of a business, to just understand their perspective on running the business, to understand you know, the players, who they, they work with, who do they lean on to get work done, what are some of the constraints that they have, or maybe it's regarding recruiting, maybe there's you know, some people in the organization that have strong personalities that you know, a manager or an owner has trouble dealing with. So I try to get an understanding of kind of the lay of the land as, a, as, as it were. And then the discussion starts to change into, you know, well, how do you view yourself as a manager? Do you interact with your team in a, a command and control, a very authoritative way and sort of demand respect because of your position? Or are you on the front lines talking to your staff, understanding the uh, 
the challenges that they deal with on a day-to-day basis and really working with them to try to get things done. You know, your success as a leader in an organization is getting work done through other people. So you have to inspire your people to want to do that work for you. And the quickest way that you can do that is to start to shift your mindset to one that they don't work for you, but you work for them. And if you can get your mind around that and really put that into action on the floor on a day-to-day basis, you're going to start to see that cultural shift happen where people want to come to work. They're excited. They're inspired to come in and deliver on the mission. I just want to grab on something. I think it's very interesting to say that you need to shift your mindset on it's not them working for you, but it's the other way around. You work for them. And this is also what a a really cool guy in the US called Simon Sinek, probably you know him, he says the leader's eat last. Do you see that as a challenge within the industry that there's a need for maybe changing mindset around how you perceive your employees in general? I really do. And yeah, I've been fortunate enough to, to have been in the industry for long enough where I came up personally in a time in the industry where general managers were almost like the mayor of a city. Uh, as it were. So, you know, let me explain what I mean by that. They would sort of breeze through a department. They would, you know, shake a few guest hands and then come out and they'd be big smiles, but they would be hard to get to. You'd never really be able to find them in the hotel if you needed something. There was very much a, a following the chain of command. So, you know, you wouldn't go straight to the general manager. If you were in an entry level role, you'd go through your supervisor and, and maybe through your department manager. And that mentality of leadership, of being inaccessible and being not quite as engaged in the day-to-day functions of an operation has changed over the last 10 to 15 years. It's had to change because quite frankly, I think with younger generations getting into the industry, they're demanding that change. And what's been realized over time is that people, especially A player people, A players, the best people on your team, they want accessibility to senior leaders in an operation. They want to understand what's going on and they want to understand how what they're doing on a day-to-day basis contributes to the overall goals of the organization. And the only way that they can get that information is to have access to senior leaders. So that change has been demanded uh, over uh, 10 or 15 years now, and it's just getting stronger. It's just getting more evident. It's interesting you said there's a new generation that wants something different. They expect something different from their employer. Do you see that that there's a perception between young people that going into hospitality more now is a need that I need to earn some money than it is a bit like you got a bit of a, a calling. Maybe it's a bit too too much to call it a calling, but you actually got really, really wanted to learn hospitality from the inside out where you see it's a more transit environment now. There's something that takes while I'm waiting for doing the next thing. And we know there's always been the case there's people using it as an interim thing to they're done with their studies or something like that but you see that it's becoming a less attractive probably as an industry speaking from a north american perspective or maybe a u.s perspective it has been difficult for employers to find great people i don't think that that's unique here and i don't think that's unique to hospitality i think every industry deals with that what we're seeing is there's more and more hotels opening in major markets 
in the country. There's more restaurants opening in major markets in the country. But there's the same group of people wanting to get into the industries. The, the pool of labor is not getting bigger, but the number of openings is growing uh, at a pretty rapid rate. And what we're seeing is it's really almost like a job seekers market over here. So if you want to get into hospitality, uh, you don't necessarily have to have experience, but you've got the talent and the desire to serve people and to contribute to experiences and be an ambassador of your city within a, a hotel organization. You can absolutely find great work and start an amazing career. Where I think the challenge is, is that hospitality and food service isn't number one, always seen as a viable career path for people or number two, people just, they don't want to get in at the ground floor and have to work the hours and work the weekends, miss the holidays because, you know, they're, they're working on the front lines in an industry that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, I always tell new people when they're coming in, you know, don't expect to have Christmas and New Year's off because, when everybody else is off, they're staying with us. And so we need you here. That style of work isn't always the most inspiring, especially for young people coming out of college, wanting to, to get into the industry. The other side of it is I think that hospitality is an industry that still prioritizes experience over education. You can have a great university degree, but if you don't have the personality and the talent to work with customers on the front line on a day-to-day -day basis, providing great service and wanting to, to craft an experience, you're going to have a hard time in the industry. It's still feasible for someone to come into hospitality with maybe high school or maybe a, a two-year college degree and go very far because they have the talent. So it's a long answer, but I think it's a complicated answer. There's a lot of inputs going into why it, it's hard to, to hire great people today in hospitality. And I agree with you that uh, the pool has stayed the same. So we're all fighting for the same talent and uh, we're all fishing in that pool. And that also means that people know that it actually sometimes they move around quicker than they did before. With then does that your business become, you know, a bit shakable if you're not having your culture in place because culture uh, eats everything. And I think that it's quite quite interesting to see in the moment, a lot of people say that it's difficult to find people. And, uh, and, and I always say to them, it's always been difficult. It's the same amount of people, as you say, we had 10 years ago that is out there and ready to work for you in the industry. But one of the things I, I, I've been thinking a bit about as well is that have the hospitality and restaurants as a industry not really moved with the normal development society when it comes to approaches to things. There's, there's a lot of industrial thinking. That's my view. Some sometimes happening in hospitality. And I think there's a time now to, to actually rethink that whole way of actually approaching your business, as you talked about before, having a different mindset. I think you're absolutely right. It's a very old industry that has old practices and is one that has still sort of works off of the foundation that we do things this way because we've always done them this way. And that model, that way of thinking takes a really long time to change. And we're seeing it change. It's starting to, to come around. There's a lot of new interesting brands and interesting independent hotels that are coming out that are trying to shake shake up the industry, break the mold a little bit. But we still have a long way to go. There are a lot of large companies in the industry today and changing how those companies do business 
it's like turning a tanker ship, right? It just takes an awfully long time. And it's quite interesting you mentioned the big companies because uh, hospitality has a historical, when I started out, not being, you know, a, a big big company business it's something that's actually changed a lot over the last 20 years i would say and it's probably the the commercialization that the likes of mcdonald's introduced into retail restaurants and hospitality in in the 50s and 60s has really taken speed both when it comes to hotels and restaurants over the last couple of years and i guess that also have had an impact around how things are done where before was more family-run businesses Completely. You know, the, the, one of the biggest changes that you see at the top, at the high levels of hotels, is the introduction of large institutional owners coming in and buying the asset and then hiring a management company to run the property for them. And that completely changes the game because suddenly when it's uh, an asset as part of a portfolio, it has to perform for the owner. And how do they get it to perform? Well, they increase the value of the building by managing the PL, right? Increasing sales and reducing costs. And so what happens is over time, general managers, directors of operations, you know, directors of sales and marketing, some of those executive level positions, they stop interacting with clients and guests and staff at the property. And they're in their office working on spreadsheets, trying to find you know, the next way to work their way through a difficult month or a difficult quarter, or your revenue is not coming in as expected. So we've got to find it in the middle of the P&L somewhere. And that has just become almost commonplace. In, in what we do today. It's taken the, the, the fun, the heart, the soul of what should be a very people-centric, what has always been a very people-centric and a very fun industry and, and made it all about, you know, looking at Excel charts. And it's just, it's just not as fun as it used to be, but it's also just changed the feel of what it is that hospitality professionals do on a day-to-day basis. It's quite interesting you're saying that it actually touched on a conversation I had this morning with a, a very good friend of mine, Ivan Brewer from Australia, where he we talked about how we have made it so complex of doing something we actually actually have done since, you know, who knows when in history, serving people with food or beds in hotels made it so complex to do because of spreadsheets. And he said, we have totally forgot about actually understand and feel the business in a way we all we we manage it to spreadsheet and it's good and he said to be profitable you need to understand your numbers but then you also need to put that layer of you know you need to trust the front line and the feel of things to create that individual hotel you can't compare the, the individual restaurant you really need to go out and feel them to make them work you have to yeah there are so many factors that impact the the travel and tourism business and, you know, I, I have personally sat in and been at the head of a table of, you know, many meetings over the years where hotel owners will come in and you know, demand reasons or explanation and actions against an economic downturn in, in a city. You know, why is rate and occupancy down this month compared to same month last year? Meanwhile, there are literally an infinite number of inputs that can go into that, including, you know, is your revenue management strategy on point and are you keeping an eye on what your competitor is doing? Yes, that's a piece of it. But we all know what's going on in, uh, you know, government these days and in the economy. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. And that, I promise you, filters its way all the way down to how hotels are performing. And sometimes there's just things that there are forces at work that you don't have control over. So, you know, rather than sitting in a a boardroom uh, getting beat up by a hotel owner because 
of, you know, X, Y, and Z is going on that's out of your control, you know, allow your senior leaders to get out and talk to guests and talk to staff and understand what's going on in the ground and make sure that the guests that you do have are really well taken care of, that, that your team is delivering on the mission. And that's how you're going to keep your property buoyant in difficult times. You know, we haven't touched on online reviews yet, but right now everything is so transparent. There are online review sites are becoming a dime a dozen. OTAs are becoming review sites. Review sites are becoming OTAs. And, you know, there's there's SEO implications when it comes to uh, reviews for your company. Uh, oh, and on top of that, your employees can review uh, you as an employer through other, you know, online sites like Glassdoor is a big one that's used over here where employees review their employer. Nothing is behind a curtain anymore. So you've got to be firing on all cylinders. But because guests and future employees can see everything that's going on in real time online, you've got to make sure that that is a primary focus to make sure that the message that's getting crafted and delivered to the public is one that you actually want out there. I guess that comes back to your your culture again. Your culture tells the story about who you are both to the, the customers, but as well as to uh, the current employees and people you want to attract in the future. And it started out with what you said in the beginning. That's that's where there often lies a challenge. How do you actually start to build this uh, this culture for your business? Or we can call it a brand as well, because many people think brand are built by, you know, have some shiny, shiny objects hanging outside your door, some beautiful colors and some nice jargon on your website, but brands is actually built from the inside out. How, how do you approach that when you go into a smaller operation? How do you get them on board to, to start working on this? Because this is quite a dramatic shift in mind you need to have to start looking at your business in that way. It is. And I don't want to misconstrue it. It's a difficult change because oftentimes it forces people. It's like a change in their paradigm. It's when I left work on Friday, I was looking at my business this way. And now I come in on Monday and I have to look at my business that way. It could be a difficult change for people to make. The way that we see success this way is to make sure that there's a good framework of not just high-level leaders, but we go all the way down to the supervisory level and make sure that there are plenty of opportunities for every level of supervisor and manager to talk to their direct reports. And sometimes if it's appropriate, we try to have them go down two levels if they've got if there's two levels below them. So set up a framework where there are many opportunities over the course. Uh, it should never stop, but you know initially, you know over the course of a month or, or two and just do some data collection. Find out how people are doing, what's going on in the role, what are some pain points? What are the processes that someone at a desk somewhere put in place? who they thought it was a good idea, but in practice on the floor, it's making it more difficult for customers to give you their money or for staff to deliver on, on the mission. And you've got to understand what those things are, get visibility at the ground level. And then once you, once you have all of that information, you can start to prioritize the three to six actionable items that are out there. Maybe it's maybe there's some low-hanging fruit, some processes that can be changed, some policies that can be changed. Maybe it's a scheduling change that can happen. Maybe the team needs a new tool or a tool that they have doesn't work. Uh, so we've got to pull it out of use and introduce something else. Whatever those things are, make a list of some of those actionable items, three to six items, and then bring your entire team back together. You could do it department by department if it's if you're a big enough operation, or bring the the entire hotel together if you're a smaller or the restaurant, and put those actionable items up on a board and ask the team to vote on which are the three that they want to work on together as a group, because nothing is going to change if 
everybody isn't working towards the same thing. You're not going to change a culture by just having the general manager work on something. There has to be a community involvement in this process. So they decide which ones they want to work on as a hotel or as a restaurant. And then you start the process of methodically going through each one of those actionable items and making change to what they are. And then once you've made the change as a group, you communicate that back to the team afterwards. So they know, hey, you wanted us to do X, Y, and Z, and we completed X, Y, and Z as a group. And this has been the result of that change. So it's pretty comprehensive. And it's quite interesting, the the point you said with the importance of getting the, the front line involved, because a lot of people manage the, the business from the top and down and not the other way around, which you can call a button up or whatever you want. But if you really want to make that change, and we've seen that with clients, well, when they get the front line involved in the right way, they see massive change to the positive and things are fixed quicker than they actually could have done themselves. Yeah, they know better than you do sitting at a desk somewhere uh, because they're on the ground with the customer hour after hour, day after day, right? So first of all, so they're going to have a better ground truth than you are. They're going to know what's going on. The second side to that is that people want to know that their actions and their efforts are contributing to a larger organizational goal. They want to know that they're contributing to something. So when you give them a mission of, of fixing, you know, whatever those elements are, in the business that need to be fixed, it energizes them. They want to be a part of it. Do you think in general in the industry, sometimes you have taken power away from the front line over time and actually starting to have more control mechanism in place instead of empowering people and get them permission to operate? You put so many rules and different processes in place that actually you in a way just had make them, you know, you're almost to make them uh, not feel valued just by the way they can't make simple decisions about how to deliver great hospitality. For sure. You know, I think that there's a fine line between too many roadblocks in place and not enough roadblocks in place because you don't want it to be a free-for-all you know anarchy on the front line at the same time where everybody's doing their own thing but what i do think that a manager has a responsibility to do is to make sure that uh, almost have an evaluation period for you know when new processes or new steps or procedures are put in place to just see how it's working i've had the experiences i'm sure listeners have had before where and not to pick on an accounting department but had experienced where something in accounting isn't working because of what's going on in the front line so a procedure or a standard operating procedure is put together in accounting and it's it's slapped on the front desk and said okay you have to do this going forward but the effect of that yes while it might make things easier in the back office the effect of that is that check-in time takes a little bit longer, takes away from the interaction on the front line, and the guest is affected because you know the, there's extra steps involved now or something they used to do they can't do anymore, and there's no good workaround on it. And that's, the, that's a great example that happens all the time of a poorly thought out process because it's trying to fix one thing in the back, but there's uh, consequences on the front line. And in hospitality, we are experts at that. So you have to have what I think is an evaluation period. If you want to do something, try it out on a trial basis, see if it's working. And if it's not, you have to fix it. And then it comes to coming back to hospitality, because I... I read one of your blog called why it's important to define the difference between service and hospitality because I think there's also something about understanding because a lot of people talk about hospitality but what I often see they're not doing hospitality they're just doing service in a way but because in my world it comes back again to your ability to empower people to do this so can you try it just to help us a bit about how you define service and, and hospitality and what is the difference? Sure. The, the term service, it's almost in the title of our industry, service 
service industry, right? It is a word that we we use that covers a lot of bases. How many times have you been in a meeting where you're looking at your reviews or you're getting some guest feedback and you say to your team, we have to improve our service? What does that really mean? If you take a step back and understand what it is that you're actually, what's your mission? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to deliver to your customers? And the act of delivering service is the act of doing something to someone. You're the one that's prescribing how that interaction is going to go. You are prescribing, you know, these 10 steps that have to be performed, uh, you know, whenever you approach a table or whenever you check a guest in or whenever you help a guest with luggage to a room or park a car, you're prescribing how that sequence of events is going to go and you're delivering that to somebody. That's service. The difference, the mindset shift is that hospitality is the process of doing something for someone. So you're not doing something to someone, you're doing something for someone. That changes the interaction. Suddenly, when you understand that you're doing something for someone, you are reacting to how the conversation is going. You're working within that ebb and flow of an interaction and you're tailoring how you're delivering what it is the guest is receiving based on their reaction. So service is doing something to someone. Hospitality is doing something for someone. It's much more emotionally engaging with a guest. It creates much more of a a connection with your customer to your business. And if you can get your team to make that change, reviews go up, you get happier employees, and there's just some really beautiful things that start to happen. And I guess also that you're going to be spending less time coming back to the culture and the management bit and getting the power to the front line. You're going to spend less time on managing people and developing them. That's what you're saying as well. And, and I, I think that many people, you know, the, the, there's many companies, uh, the organization now that talk about we create this hospitality organization. Why is it that you think there's very few that get this right? What is it? Because they all have the intent for what goes wrong on that journey. They all have it in a strategy plan or a document or articulated that they want to do this, but actually they never really get this, you know, hospitality feel. It is service they're providing. Because they're in it for the wrong reason. Plain and simple. They're in it to make money. They, they, they write a strat plan, put it in a big binder, and it's a very fancy deck that they present to everybody and everyone claps around the table. Yeah, 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 this looks great. And then it goes into a binder and it goes on the shelf and nobody ever does anything with it. Because what we're talking about today, it's hard. You have to get your hands into it. You've got to be engaged day to day, working with your uh, your customers and working with your staff. And that's a level of commitment and involvement that a lot of people don't want to do. Is it because they don't know they don't want to do it? Is it because they just want to say the right thing so they can either get, you know, promoted or achieve something else? They're not really, they don't really care, as you say. I think it's a combination of things. Some people don't know. Some people don't care. Some people don't have the time or the resources it's a, it's a little bit of everything. At the end of the day, if your focus is only about putting together a great deck, great PowerPoint deck, presenting it, or only about you know how much revenue you're bringing into the top line, then your focus is misaligned in developing a strong culture. It just won't happen. Taking this, you know, like you just said, you need resources to do this. And that means you need to, you know, have time and time costs money. Where we see the industry right now is that many are are struggling with with smaller margins uh, and stuff like that. But interesting to hear hear your view on the industry from where you sit and see where it is right now and what you think the 
the big challenges because there are many there are many challenges in my world uh, but what from your point of view what is the, the core challenges right now and how do you see a way out of it yeah it's uh, it's, it's the million dollar question isn't it how do you see your way out of the challenges that are going on you know staffing absolutely is a challenge where where we are here there are just there's so many jobs and finding great people to fill those jobs is very difficult you know i i think the the number of employers that i talk to that just say they can't find good people as as you stated earlier you know, i feel like we're having that conversation every day i will say this you know costs are rising cost of doing business is getting more expensive the city of seattle this year just instituted a 17 dollars an hour minimum wage which is very high for this country business owners in seattle are trying to get their arms around you know how do we fold that into our our operations how do we absorb this extra cost uh, we see minimum wages rising across the board and and you know that brings in another challenge with managers is the tide brings everybody up right you've got a higher minimum wage but maybe you've got a housekeeper that's been working at your hotel for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, now their wage is just barely above the starting wage of someone who's coming in off the street today because minimum wage went up. So business owners are now trying to figure out how do you properly compensate longer tenured employees with a rising minimum wage while not throwing off the wage scale across the rest of the, the property. So that's something right now that people are, are, are grappling with. It just continues to be a daily challenge. You know, the other piece of it, the other thing that's out there is that there are a number of service providers. There are a lot of tools out there that want to insert themselves between the hotel general manager and the cash register. You know, there's companies that'll come in and they'll take a percentage of sales to do this, or they'll take a, a flat fee every month to do that, or they'll take a certain number of dollars per key to provide this service. And if it's incumbent on uh, on hotel operations to try to figure out, you know, what are those valuable tools and services that are out there that are going to enhance our guest service, our experience for people, but also have an ROI where we're not just bleeding money out, you know, half a percent at a time because these three or four providers want to insert themselves between us and our guests. There's many other challenges right now, but you know, those are, those are a couple of big ones that we're grappling with. So I think a guess is also about, you know, maybe going back a bit, like what you, what I hear you saying, like, how can you approach things differently? Because I guess that thing where there's somebody taking a small fee of you comes into also technology has become a bigger part of running hospitality businesses. And many people call this the, the saver of the industry. How is your view on technology and um, being the saver of the hospitality industry? I think that technology has a place. There's there are tools out there that make it easier to manage your workflow, that make it easier to, to contact guests, to you know, manage payroll, to, to, to do a lot of things, to manage schedules. There's a lot out there. The challenge, I think, lies in a few areas is that it's not always evident which tool is better than the other, especially when there's you know there are multiple companies out there doing the same thing. And the other side of it is... You know, we see data breaches now with uh, with some of these cloud providers. We see credit card fraud and uh, stealing of card numbers because of data card or data center breaches. And as a business owner, as a manager, unfortunately, that's one of the things that you have to keep in the back of your mind when you're evaluating, you know, which company that you're going to bring in to sort of act as a, a, a conduit for your guests. 
because there could be things that happen down the line that you're not even anticipating today. They could have catastrophic consequences for your business. There's a there's a lot at play. You buy one product and a company gets taken over by another and you know then they shut it down so then you're forced to move to a new platform in, you know, 12 months when you just spent the last 12 months, you know, lifting this heavy new thing off the ground to get it up and running. I mean, there's there's a lot out there. So my advice, honestly, is that when you're evaluating new tools, take your time. I know there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people in your ear saying, buy this now. We'll give you this, this special if you get it today. You've got team members maybe clamoring for a new tool because something doesn't work, but you can't rush in. You've got to do your due diligence when you're evaluating new providers to come into your business because you know, as I mentioned, if you make the wrong choice, it could have pretty dire consequences. So, so if there's anything in a, in a, when it comes to tech, because I think tech is here to stay, and I think we need, as you say, evaluate very closely and be very aware of what fits in our business, because it fits in the competitor's business or you, somebody else's down the street doesn't mean it fits in your, and that's the right decision to make. But in your view, what is the next big thing in, in hotels? What technology can really help and support operators? Because it takes some heavy lifting away when it's done right. It does. There's there's two main ones that are out there that I think, uh, well, you know, I'm going to say two and a half out there that I think can make a really, really good impact. Number one, if you're Wi-Fi in your building or your internet in your building, you don't have a big bandwidth pipe coming in so that people can, uh, you know, do all the things with their, you know, their laptop, their streaming devices that they want to do as they do when they're home. That's a big miss. You've got to look at internet today as a utility. It's no longer an amenity, right? It's no different than hot water and, and power in your building. So, You've got to change your mindset. Charging for internet, you know, we could probably go down that rabbit hole if you want to, but those days are uh, are gone. The expectation is that internet is, again, it's a utility. It's part of the package. You don't charge guests, you know, directly for the water and the power that they use. Internet should be the same thing. Now, to tack onto that, streaming solutions in guest rooms where, you know, they can log in and, and watch Netflix when they're in their hotel room or whatever other streaming service they subscribe to, they've got to be able to do that on the TV in the guest room. They can do it at home and people's expectation and when they come to a hotel is that they're going to have all the comforts of home that uh, when they're on the road, they should be able to do that. So that's that's the internet and the streaming piece. The thing I think that's going to get the most traction as we go forward is a, is a software platform that will allow for workflow management. And what I mean by that is how does a guest request towels, extra towels for their room, right? Well, traditionally what happens is that they call the front desk, call housekeeping or the hotel operator. They'll request the extra towels and then that request will get relayed out to somebody. Hopefully they write it down or they remember that they have to take new towels up to this guest room and then they go and do that task. And then hopefully they report back to the office that the task was done so that the manager, the person manning the board knows that that request still isn't hanging out there, right? That's usually how it's been done in the past. Today, there's providers out there that will automate that whole process. So, and actually they'll take a lot of the staff interaction out of it. So the guests will be able to text the hotel, hey, bring more towels up to my room. And that'll go through a system where a work ticket will be created for an employee on the ground. They'll get an alert on uh, on their phone or on a, a communication device they carry around the property. And they'll be able to go and take care of that request and then acknowledge that it's been done immediately. And suddenly you've taken out 
multiple steps for the request to be lost, all of this back and forth, and it speeds up the service delivery of whatever it is that the guest is asking to do. Why that's beneficial is number one, you're providing service faster. Number two, you're going to get a lot more analytical data to see when are the busy periods in your hotel, when are people requesting the most items? So that'll allow you to better manage your your staffing and your scheduling. So if you have everybody scheduled, you know, daytime or heavy scheduling in the morning, but most of your guests are gone and they come back at night and, and they're requesting items or they need things from different departments, but you've got a skeleton crew working in the PM because you thought without any data everybody was busy in the morning time, you know, suddenly you start to shift the delivery of, of service in the property and guests are better taken care of. It's going to be all about, you know, making the experience more smooth and trying to take away all these time wasters that's done or opportunities for forgetting things for the guests. Actually, that's where you see technology really is going to go in and add some value in hotels in the coming years. Absolutely. On our podcast, we always ask the people as on one last question. It would be great to hear what your one piece of advice would be to somebody, either a manager that is in hospitality or somebody that wants to join hospitality. You you can take a bit of lead on what you want to, to, to talk about there. But what is your one piece of advice to people? This is a people-centric business. You have to get out of your office. You have to go down and talk to the team on the front line. If you don't know the first names of the people that work for you, you've got to get out there and talk to them. Make sure that they know who you are and how they contribute to larger organizational goals. So get out, walk around, talk to your team, and you'll be amazed at the changes that happen. That was absolutely amazing advice, Adam. I couldn't agree more. The hospitality starts and ends with your front line and the ability to perform out there. So again, thank you very much for your time hooking on from Boston today and talking about your experience and hospitality in general. Lots of great, great, great conversation here and, and more to come in the future, I'm sure. Thank you very much for being on the podcast, Adam. Absolutely. Anytime, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Adam, for sharing your extended knowledge on hospitality, hotel operation, leadership, and tech. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, or even better, rate us on iTunes. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with me, Michael Tingser. Tune in next time for another industry interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.